Canine Detection Collaborative, a detection dog training trio with Stacy Barnett. Hi. Robin Grubel. Hey there. And Crystal Wing. What's up? With humor and a big dose of theory, our trio talks practical training advice and features interviews with top trainers and scientists. It's Canine Detection Collaborative! Hi, this is Stacey Barnett from the Canine Detection Collaborative, and we have a very, very special guest on this episode, and we're so excited. We have Dr. Deborah Jones. We're going to be talking about grief, and um, and it's a really, really fantastic topic to explore because all of us go through it, and and it's something that's that's kind of core and and a part of all of us who have had dogs. And so Crystal and I will be speaking with Deb. And uh, Deb, welcome. Welcome. Glad you're here. Oh, thank you, Stacy. I really appreciate that you invited me to talk about this topic. It can sometimes be a hard thing to talk about, it is. a big topic yeah. to talk about. Um, and I think that, that there's a lot that we can say uh, mm-hmm. that will kind of highlight how complex this whole thing is. And most of us who love dogs, pretty much all of us who love dogs are going to lose dogs. Exactly. And, you know, I've, I've known you for quite a few years now because of Fenzie Dog Sports Academy, but there may be, you know, people who are listening who are, have been living (laughs) under a rock and and don't know who you are. Um, (laughs) Let's go ahead. First of all, um, you tell us a little bit about yourself, a a little bit about your background. We'll go deeper, but you know, kind of tell us a little bit about yourself and kind of get us started. Okay, sure. Yeah, I never assume anybody knows who I am, (laughs) even though I've been in the dog (laughs) training world for a long, long time. I think I've been training for over 30 years now. Um, Let's see, where do I start? I have a PhD in social and behavioral psychology. So I spent a lot of years in higher education studying both human and secondarily animal behavior a little bit. But it, and when I was in graduate school, I also started training dogs. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd always had a lot of an, a lot of different animals and enjoyed them and had dogs, but never really purposely trained them to do a whole heck of a lot. So I started training dogs. And I was a little shocked to discover that what the science tells us about learning and behavior is not what any dog trainer out there that I met was actually doing. Mm-hmm. And I was a little um, disappointed to see this, the way that at that point in time, still a lot of unpleasant methods were used to train animals. So I started mm-hmm. down the path of trying to integrate what I knew about the science of learning and training with the actual application um, to dogs, mm-hmm. but eventually to lots of different species of animals because they're all the same in in some respects. And so I do, I've been doing that for a long time. I taught college full-time, a variety of psychology courses for 20-some years and retired from that. And the whole time I was doing that, I was showing my dogs. I had retrievers. I had papillons. I had Shelties. I had Border Collies. And so I was showing them, started out in obedience competition because that was all that there was when I started. 
and right. did some obedience and did agility when that came to, God, I feel really old when that came to the United <laughs> States. <laughs> or I did agility and then um, also did rally and enjoyed all of those things and dabbled in a lot of stuff. I had a therapy dog that um, I took to Children's Hospital for, for a few years. So I dabbled in a lot of different dog sports and activities and enjoyed all of it. And the whole time I was in all of those, I was still very focused on what's the fairest, most effective, most fun way to train yep. animals and got involved with, with a lot of other like-minded trainer when the um, internet actually became a thing and we could all get together and <laughs> so, sort of talk to each other. And so we had um, an old list called Click L, where a lot of the original positive reinforcement trainers were and mm-hmm. things just kept going from there. So fast forward to now. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and I, that's I think a lot. I've known you now since like 2013. Right, I met Denise Benzie and started working yeah. together on writing some books. And she asked me to teach a class at this new school that she put together. And I thought that'll never last. (laughs) (laughs) I thought I better save this money because (laughs) I'm not, this is not going to happen again. I taught one puppy class and here we are 10 years later. So, and you, I remember you from the very beginning, Um, you Uh were in one of my classes very early on and then you started teaching and there you go. Yeah. 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 It goes fast. Exactly. And I'm super stoked because I'm thinking about doing the 25 and out. So it's the re- early retirement so that <sighs> maybe I can switch to dog training. Yes. And so it, I had an evaluation today. And when I told my principal that she said, oh, you need to, you're so passionate about that. <laughs> it is. And, yeah. and it's not because I'm a sucky teacher because she was giving me a glowing evaluation. <laughs> Could it come out wrong? When you're, when you're a teacher and instructor, the topic doesn't matter as much because yeah. you learn how to teach anything yeah. and you learn how to teach it well. And if you've been doing it for 25 years, you clearly have figured some things out <laughs> you know, and know how to do it. But yeah. I haven't regretted retiring for a second. I, I've thoroughly enjoyed um, the teaching that I do now, which is almost exclusively online. Wow. Um, just yeah. for, you know, between the pandemic and, oh, yeah. and, and oh, yeah. other things. It's like, and I like it. I enjoy the the format of be, of launching. Yeah. Um, and it takes a lot less energy <laughs> than to, for me than in-person teaching. So, so just I know I might it. be reaching out to you and saying, Hey, can we chat? Oh, <laughs> always. We can, can always I talk be you about when I grow up. <laughs> <laughs> I tell people I'm an introvert until it comes to talking about dog training. It's all, yeah, all bets are off at that point. You can't get, you can't shut me up. Oh my goodness. Mm-hmm. So you've written a lot of books. Oh yeah. Point. I have written a lot of books. Yeah. How, how many? Um, the This last one that we're going to talk about, I guess eventually mm-hmm. we'll get to talking about. It. So, <laughs> um, yeah. This is number 13. Wow. So I started writing and in, um, in the early 1990s when I started getting involved in positive reinforcement training. And the only reason I did it was because there was at that point, there wasn't anything out there like about yeah. how to do clicker type training. And we, we talked about clicker training a lot. And now I think I've sort of moved beyond that to reinforcement based training. Uh-huh, um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the, the clicker is just one of many things right. um, that we might use. Um, but at that point, we sort of defined ourselves in that way. Um, so, yeah, I wrote some books on that on that early form of basic positive reinforcement training. Mm-hmm. I wrote a book about teaching discrimination way back when, um, <laughs> yeah. before, yeah. or, you know, I really 
it really became a thing anybody to do positive reinforcement and obedience competition. And then I wrote four books with Denise over the over about five years or so. I don't know. She writes so fast. It's it's insane. <laughs> I, I write a little more slowly and thoughtfully. <laughs> <laughs> and then I wrote a book about cooperative care, um, mm. which I wrote about four years ago and got involved in that area and had, headed down that huge hole that I'm still down. Um, but then this last book came along as sort of a surprise to me, yeah. um, this book on grief, um, yeah. because I didn't really ever have the intention of writing about it or you know, talking about it publicly a lot, but it was one of those yeah. things that just stayed in the back of my mind and yeah. kept kind of going, you know, you should at least get this stuff out on paper because that's how I process everything yeah. in life is yeah. write it down um, to me. If it's just all jumbled up in my head, I can't deal with information. Mm -hmm. If I write it down and look at it, it starts to make sense to me. And that's really why I wrote the book and why I wrote the book in the format that I did. Yeah. One of the reasons why we wanted to bring you on the podcast was Crystal did a a, a post that yes. just really yes. touched a lot of people um, about grief. Crystal, you want to talk about that a little bit, and then we can yeah maybe get into the. It was just bit. from Psychology Today, and it was called "As You Grieve, Your Brain Redraws Its Neural Maps." And there were some lines in that that just really resonated with me. Um, I had yeah. a lot of death on my timeline, a lot yeah. of people mourning their dog. Mm -hmm. I, I was needing something to try to make sense of it because I kept kind of thinking, you know, like this doesn't make sense. Like I keep looking for him. I keep talking to him. I keep calling his name when I know that, you know, he's not outside. I didn't just let him go potty, mm -hmm. you know, and I filled his food bowl up and it's just, although I'm like, what is wrong with my brain? And so my way of dealing with it was I wanted to get to the science behind it because it feels like when I can understand my brain better, um, then I can give myself grace. And when it helped me, then I thought, you know what, this might help other people. So I shared it and it's probably the most shared post I've ever created in my whole life. And it was like, wow, I, I really thought maybe it might help somebody. But, I mean, it it just kept going. Yeah. I'm like, wow, I, I'm just really happy yeah. that it helped some people. And and that's what I was kind of talking to Stacy and Robin and was like, you know, it could help more people if we did it on the podcast too. You know, and then Stacy's like, "Oh, I have the expert. <laughs> I have." I don't know person. if that's a really good thing to be an expert well, on this topic in any way, but well, I mean, we've all experienced business. it. It's not not yes. not the expert in experiencing it, but necessarily, in communicating but it, yeah, <laughs> communicating it and make and sense of it. That's the hard part. Yeah. yeah, yeah, to make sense of something that is totally senseless yes. a lot of times. Yeah. And I think, um, Crystal, you and I are a lot alike. We like things to make sense. We like them to yeah. be logical. <laughs> Stacy, I know we think yeah. along the same lines because yeah. we've worked together as well. And and when things come seem to come out of left field and when we behave in or react in ways that don't even make sense to us, it's a little scary. Yeah. And we want to figure out what's going on. I'll feel better about it if I can yeah. have some understanding of the process that's happening to me rather than just feeling like it's taken over my life and taken control. And it's a way I could finally give myself some grace to go, oh, yeah, my brain, yeah. you're working real hard, dude. I appreciate you. <laughs> and I'm just going to sit with this and I'm going to face this right now because I'm going to have to and I have the time for it. And I was so fortunate that I had that time. 
And I wish yes. that I would have had your book at the time. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what it's for. I could have worked through it. So yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. The, one of the main reasons I wrote it. I um to give you just a little background on the format of the book, maybe yeah. if I talk about that just yes, a little. Yeah. Bit. So so the bu- yeah. the book is called "When the Loss Is Deep: A Companion Animal Grief Journal," and we we will include a link to. Okay. Um, on Amazon uh, in the show notes. So those of you who are like, oh, hey, this sounds interesting because we're going to get into kind of the format because I know that that's really sp- a special part of this book. I'll have a link to the um, to the actual book on Amazon. So you guys can go out and, and get this. And it's, it is something where you, know, you can kind of sit down and just kind of tickles your brain a little bit and kind of helps you kind of think things out. So yeah, it's, um, um, but yeah, yeah. Yeah. To me, I didn't want to write uh, um, a how-to book or I didn't want to write yeah. an advice giving book, um, even though right. I feel like I've had a lot of experience with grief because if you live long enough, <laughs> you lose both people and animals that you care about. It's yeah. it's going to happen over time. Yeah. Um, if you care about others, you're going to experience grief. Um, and, yeah. and when you have a lot of dogs in your lifetime, oh, you experience yeah. it. Yeah. And those of us who are into, you know, dog sports and performance events and activities, we tend to have more dogs than the average person. <laughs> so we're going to go through this over and over again. And, it, yeah. and, and what I found is it, it, is that it's different. <clears throat> Every loss is different, but yeah. they're not necessarily easier. The more you have, it's like it, it doesn't somehow become routine for us to lose animals. And I see all the time on social media, people every day, friends of mine and people I know whose whose animals are dying. Um, and so, as I saw yeah. that and thought about it, I realized I probably could add something helpful with writing this particular type of a book. And it's more, it's meant to be interactive. It's meant for the person with the book to put as much work into it as I did writing it. And so, and and so my, I don't want to say my input is minimal, but I actually tried to keep it a little bit minimal on purpose. I didn't want to talk solely about my grief experiences. Um, But I wanted to give you a little bit here and there to to tell you what I'm thinking about and what led to it. And then I wanted to give you um, a prompt, which Mm -hmm. is a topic of some sort. And then Mm -hmm. under that prompt, a list of relevant questions that are very open-ended. And there's never a right or wrong answer. But to me, if you sit and really think about how you'd respond to some of these questions, I think that's where we get to, to processing our feelings and to pulling things apart and to making sense of them. Because for me, yeah. what gets overwhelming is it's too much all at once. Yes. And what helps me is if I can break it down and think about one little aspect of how I'm feeling at a time and thoroughly yeah. explore that and then move on to the next thing. Um, not that it will resolve anything, but it then it feels to me like I've gotten it out of my head. I've gotten it out of my nervous system or wherever yeah. it resides in yeah. my body. Yeah. And yeah. I can move on a little bit better and think about the next thing that I need to cope with and deal with. Um, but yeah. breaking it down, just like we do, you know, you know, I'm all about shaping and dog training and breaking things yeah. down into little bits and pieces. <laughs> right. yeah. and, and it's the yeah. same basic concept here. It takes time and it takes effort. So the person is not actually even a reader of this book as much as you are a participant, you know, in the process of of exploring your grief. I, I would because I don't think it's ever over. 
I don't think it ever ends really. I hate to say, hate to say that, but yeah, no, no, I think that's really true. And I, I think, you know, different things like you could, you know, all of a sudden you hear a song or you hear, you do something oh, and, and it hits you. It's just kind of like this mm-hmm. like wave. Right. Right. And yes. um, I, what I love about the book is that it, it's so personal and, and it's not like you're not telling it. it it's not being told at you. Good. That's what right. I was going it's for. Like, <laughs> right. It's not like, <laughs> that's what I was hoping it, for. How you must, yeah. this is how you must deal with it. You know? <laughs> And a lot of people will tell you that they they want to tell you how to feel yeah, and yeah. how to process and what to do. And I don't want I didn't want to do that at all. Yeah, I wanted to go. That was very clear, very very clear. Good. Yeah, I'm glad that <laughs> sometimes you don't know as a writer. <laughs> it's like yeah. I don't know how I know how it feels to me, but I don't know exactly how it feels to other people when they when they get it. But I really yeah. wanted it to be more about your whoever, you know, the reader is their experiences. And the fact that you can use it in a lot of different ways, you can use the book any way you want. I put the prompts in a particular order that makes sense to me. Mm -hmm. Um, And I put the questions in that made sense to me to have with the prompts. But you can pick it up in the middle, you can skip over stuff. There are things that either aren't relevant to you right now, or that are just too hard for you right now. And you don't have to answer every question or or go through everyone. You can you can jump around, you can find the the part or the thing that you really want to talk about. And that makes sense to you and go with that. I really appreciated that when I uh, got the book. It was one of those where I said, um, Oh my gosh, I want to make sure that I read this before I talk to you. And you're like, no, it doesn't really work that way. And <laughs> I really appreciated that because it's not how it works. Yeah. So Mary Frances O'Connor was uh, one of the authors that I feel like, or a psychologist that I felt like really helped me kind of um, deal with some of the research I was doing um, back when Quinn passed. And I just was struggling, like I talked about. And one of the things that she defined was grief versus grieving. And that really helped me out. Is that something that um, that you feel is important to kind of define? Could we kind of do that too? Yeah, I think that's that is really important. It's hard to um, even put good, clear, like operational definitions yeah. to some of the terms that we use and talk about. Um, and we use very vague terms a lot of the times when we're talking about this. Um, and I mentioned it in the book that I talk about loss when what it actually is is death. But it felt better for me to talk about it as loss, yeah. you know, in a general way. But yeah, um, grief as opposed to grieving. I think grieving is, um, for me, I would think of it as the, the more act process that I'm experiencing right now, that it is a dynamic thing. It's not just, oh, my dog died. That was an event mm-hmm. and it's over. It's I'm going through every day. Um dealing with different aspects of what happened with 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 my dog dying and the fact that my dog's not here now and that I wish they were and I want them to be. Right. Um so I think to me to me um grieving is is I think of it in that way. I think of it as an active process of moving along this this thing that we're doing that we don't want to be doing that yeah. we absolutely don't want to be involved in. And I'm not sure that the person you mentioned, I'm not sure how they would define grief necessarily. So um, she just called grief as an as an intense, overwhelming feeling is really what she narrowed it down to. I mean, that's OK. I, yeah. I think we can all pretty yes. much along, you know, go along that. Yeah. <laughs> that. Yeah, that certainly works and makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. And I think um, there's other terms that I've always had a little trouble defining, like bereavement, you yeah. know, and and dealing with that. 
Yeah, that we've come up with some words, but it's hard to use them to really get on solid ground and convey how we feel when we get to this topic. Yeah. Um, because I think it's just so hard for all of us to talk about clearly. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. I, the thing that I always think about is it can be a static thing. It can be this thing that happened to you. And that's sort of what I think of of um, loss or death. It's this thing that happened. It happened to somebody that I care about and I can't undo it. You yeah, know, yeah. so I've got to find now ways that I can still live and ways that I can go forward in life, even though um, I may very strongly not want to a lot of the time um, yeah. because of this thing that happened or I don't I, I don't want to without whoever died. I want them still in this life. Me. I don't want to be missing them. Um, I want them them to to be here and I can't have that. Right. So how do I go on? With 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 that is my reality when yeah. I certainly don't want it to be. Um, yeah. And and Crystal, can I jump back just a little bit because you yes, mentioned please. something about neural neural pathways before? Yes. And um, I think and Stacy around the same time mentioned something about music. Did we talk about music? Did we say something about oh, hearing music? Yeah, M- music music is for for me. It's a, it's a music yeah. is a trigger for me. Yeah, yeah, and I think that whole idea. I think those two things actually go together. Um, I'm sorry about that. That <laughs> sorry about that alarm went off. No um, I think those two things actually go together to a great extent. That um, our brains change yeah. when when we've had serious loss. They are not the same as they were before the loss happened. So our neural pathways. I always think of neural networks and neural pathways um, <clears throat> like um, a path through the forest. So. One thing triggers the next, which triggers the next, which triggers the next, and they all connect to each other. And so music is very strongly connected to emotion. And we might not even realize it a lot of the time. And then we also connect it, you know, the lyrics to an event in our lives. That's very common to connect a particular song to an event in our lives. And we've all probably done it with our dogs. Um, that that particular song um, actually Judy and I were just talking about this about a song that she listened to driving to nationals one year and I think it was Patsy Cline music was what she was listening to (laughs) and driving to nationals one year and so now still you know 20 years later every time she hears that it triggers those same feelings you it takes you back to that place and our neural pathways are set up to do that it it connects all of those things and then it also connects with the emotions that we were feeling at the time and that we're feeling now. And so these kind of this cascade of things that starts to happen. Um, One of the things that I know um, about music as well was after my son died, we used to sit in the car when I take him to treatments and we'd listen to 80s music was his thing. Uh, <laughs> Not necessarily my thing, <laughs> but we listen to a lot of different 80s music. Um, and, and then I could not at all listen, not only to 80s, but to any music. I just couldn't listen to music for the longest time in the car. I had to have either silence or then I eventually started listening to audiobooks. But I couldn't. It just was so uncomfortable to have any kind of music on because it was so strongly connected to an event, you know, and and to that experience that we had together. Um, And so I had to change. And I realized at some point that all changed and went 
you know, and it's not the same now, but it's been 10 years too. So it takes a long time sometimes, I think, for some of these things. They they have a can have a very long-term effect on us. And something as simple yeah. as a song can yeah. start to, to we, we talk about it as a grief ambush that good word you're going that. along and everything's fine. And then you're in the grocery store and you hear this song come on and it just like yeah. devastates you. And so that's kind of a grief ambush. It comes out of nowhere and it hits you. But it's because all that's going on in your brain and all that's connected and it's ready to be triggered at any point in time. So you got me thinking about a couple of things. I have two things that popped in my head. One of them I was thinking about, like in art, we always talk about the right left hemisphere and, you know, the Mm -hmm. intuitive feeling side and how it's connected to music and our our visual, you know, and, and so that really, I'm like, oh yeah, okay. Um, And then I think about, I had a friend that uh, even, okay, here's this, uh, like when, when a celebrity dies and people just lose their minds and they are Mm -hmm. just so stricken with grief. (laughs) They've never met the person. And for a minute, you know, sometimes I'm like, really, you don't even know the person. (laughs) There's that, Mm -hmm. um, I learned that it's parasocial grief and it goes exactly what you're saying. All of those songs, those movies, you've connected mm-hmm. those to all of your memories and all of that's that nostalgia. And all of a sudden, when that person is gone, yeah. all of that, it's all been impacted. So it's not really just about the person, but you felt connected to them because of what exactly. they've created for you. And yeah, so it's like, exactly. oh, okay. So that's another one of those times mm-hmm. where I was like, I grieved for a YouTube guy that his dog died. Mm-hmm. I, you know, it's, and I was yes. like, I cannot believe that I'm sitting here crying about a YouTuber. It's uh, the Mink Man, and he had a Dutch mm-hmm. Shepherd, and it was from the same kennel that I got mine from. And I loved this dog. Like I tuned in because of this dog, <laughs> and the dog got run over, and it was doing one, doing its job. And I, I couldn't, I can't watch him anymore. I can barely watch his episodes. You know, it's like I miss <laughs> yeah. Journey so much that I'm like, this is so weird to me that I've connected that. So. When you're saying this, it, it is, it's that, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> sometimes it doesn't make sense to us, but then it we doesn't kind of, make yeah. sense. <laughs> Again, though, yeah, we, we like to be sort of logical and rational about things. And a lot of it doesn't seem to make any sense until, yeah. you know, you kind of can step back a little bit and maybe look at the bigger picture and some yes. of the processes that are going on, both in your brain and in um, a lot of classical conditioning, I think, is going on there, too, where, you yes. know, we've connected certain feelings with certain activities and with with somebody yes. that we've lost. Yeah. And so you know, things that you do... <laughs> Oh, gosh, expectations will get us every time. I expected that I could just tune in and watch Shirney again, young dog, mm-hmm. and it's just gone. And it was like, what? <laughs> right. Yeah. You know, I, had, I can um, listen to those the new songs come out and I can't, you know? Yeah. Expectations. So, mm-hmm. Yeah. I had a dog that uh, that I have a lot of videos of Yeah, and um, that I taught classes yeah. based around his work. And right. it's like, um, this was actually Hilo. This was a little while ago. Oh. But Zen as well. It's like yeah. watching those. And honestly, I mm. I want to keep those videos and use them because they're valuable teaching tools. But yeah. it's awfully hard. Stacey, you may you probably well, run do. into this Judge as well. Judge is in a lot, of my, mm-hmm. a lot of my classes. And so yeah, is Joey. Yeah, in a lot of mine. Yeah. yeah people connected to them also. So I know, right. yes. you know, losing... Judd and Joey, I know that was hard on a lot of my students too. And as I think we do, we connect with each other mm-hmm. 
over certain things. And it's just, right. it's, it's a piece of that, right? Right. And, and we get it as opposed yeah. to people who are the, the, it's just a dog or you, oh, know, you yeah. can get another one people. Well, see, see, that's the thing. It's like this. Social. It's like you can get another best friend. No big deal. No, <laughs> right? There's no. lots of dogs in the shelter. Just go get one. Right, exactly. <laughs> yeah, and I guess that's for me, that's the hard part about from, you know, and, and as either a sport person or if you have a working dog or something, some kind of dog that you're you're training and you're, you're either doing mm-hmm. sports or maybe it's maybe it's your your canine partner, right? You're you're working with a dog. You have this really strong connection that I think folks who haven't had that experience just don't really understand like how strong that connection is. And I think there's a little bit of a societal ish, you know, thing with grieving about, you know, pets and especially Mm -hmm. these dogs that are just so ingrained in life that it almost feels like, you know, if you're grieving and people who don't kind of, they don't understand that connection, you almost feel like there's a judgment there. And I guess that's, oh, I know that's personally, is. I've gone yeah. through that. And I think, I think that's a, that's a real component. Like you're not only having to deal with the grief itself, but you're having to deal with kind of the societal, you know, lens on it, I guess. I don't yeah. have the energy to educate you on the importance of my dog <laughs> while I'm trying to grieve the loss of my dog. No, thank yeah. you. <laughs> and, and that is a big part of it. It's like sometimes the person who's grieving, everything gets thrown on them yeah. in terms of, you know, you have to make people understand or you yes. need to tell people what they need to do to help. Like, I'm not yes. capable of this right now. Yes. If you can't figure it out, I just that's fine. Just go away. And yeah. don't, you know, and don't deal with me right now. But I can't, you know, it can't always be my job to tell you what yeah. what to do next here, yeah. um, that we need to, we need to try to have figure that out. So I love what you're saying there, we have to have boundaries. And yeah. that's so important. That was something too, if you're ever part of a club, um, just for anyone that's uh, in groups or anything, one of the best things I think we did in our club was we, I made a post and said, Hey guys, it's inevitable. We're, we're going to go through hardships here. How can we best support you? You know, if you have loss, if you know how we can help. And then everybody kind of put, you know, just pretend like it didn't happen. Leave me alone or come over and sit with me or everybody kind of had ideas of what their preferences were. And we knew that before the time. So we didn't have to, you know, kind of do that on the fly and go, how do we help? Because everybody wants to help and there's so much love and support, <laughs> but a lot of times it's not helpful. And then you have to set boundaries and people aren't comfortable with that. And so, yeah, yeah. I love what you said there. Yeah, it's, it's, and it's individual. Everybody's different. One person might want you to come over and talk to them. And I would be like, no, yeah. <laughs> I need to process this on my own. But if you want to send me a, you know, a Facebook message, that would be great because I can respond yeah. to that in my own time, in yeah. my own way. Um, right but now. no, I don't want to do anything face to face. That would be too much for me. And yeah. I wouldn't be comfortable. But somebody else, that might be exactly what they need. So figuring out, you know, it's there's not one size fits all in terms of support for grief. It's like it's going to be different um, for each situation. And sometimes what I get as well, and I think sometimes when you have uh, a lot of people feel like they know you online yeah. because yeah. you're on and they know your dog. <laughs> right. You get people who you weren't really friend, that close with yeah. that want to ask you a lot of fairly personal oh. <laughs> questions. <laughs> Yeah. And it's yeah. like, you know, you know, I'm I might not be comfortable with that. It's like if it's if 
if I knew you well uh, and you knew my dog in person, that would be one thing. But, you know, it's it's something to, to not be too intrusive right? Yeah. as well as to not completely ignore what's happened and to try to navigate that. It's 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 tricky. And I think that's where people just then just back off and do nothing and pretend it never existed. It never yeah. happened. And, and then we don't feel either. Right. We we don't feel supported at all. Then we feel like, yeah. well, you don't care at all. Right. So it's, it's difficult to navigate for everybody involved. There's yeah. no question about it. And I think sometimes um, grief can make us angry at everybody about everything yep. all the time. Anger is a yep. very common emotion um, in loss. Yep. Um, because, and it's probably, so. I think somebody said it kind of, we use it often to hide sadness or to work through, to still be able to function because anger gives you energy. Sadness takes it all the way. So we oh. use anger sometimes, yeah. but then we are angry at the people around us because they're not doing maybe what we feel would be helpful or what we yeah. would need them to do to make us feel better. It reminds me of our dogs. I mean, they'll take fear and turn that into aggression. I mean, it's yes. it's the same thing. We're all just dealing with our emotions the best way we know how. Right. And yeah. Right. So I always see those relations. You know, I, I had a friend that was grieving and I mean, it was just like, cut him some slack. You know, it, <laughs> it had been a couple of months since his mom had died and he was kind of sharp, you know, and just wasn't himself. Mm-hmm. And my other friends were like, what is his problem? I'm like, his problem is his mom just died, like back off. And they're like, oh Yeah. Because it's yeah. out of everybody else's mind. Exactly. They, they yes. just kind of, because you're trying to go along with your day and you're trying to just get to keep going. Yeah. But, you know, as, mm-hmm. as people yeah. that are close, you've you got to remember that give them some grace. Yes. Time is a big thing. But people do expect it's that it's over at some point. And as we kind of already all agreed, it's no. never really <laughs> no, over. Really it, yeah. it can change over time. Yeah. I would say, you know, loss definitely changes. And you learn to go back to your normal everyday life, yeah. even though you you may not want to. And even though it may be difficult, we, we sort of learn to work around it. So it's like, but it's still there. It's like yeah. the elephant in the room. It's still there. The grief is still yeah. there. The feelings are still there. But now I've learned how to navigate around it well enough to function day to day. And so people see you from the outside and you're still functioning and they forget that you've got this giant elephant in your living room that you're still dealing with all the time. And it's exhausting. It's just like everything is tiring. And that's when, when Crystal, you said about giving yourself some grace. And I think that's so important that, that we go, you know what? I don't have, I don't have to function at the level I did before this loss. Right, yeah. and I can't really, um, but I shouldn't even hold myself to that kind of uh, a standard. That I still need to be the person I was before the loss because I am not that person anymore, and yeah. I am never going to be that person again. That person is gone, and there's grief for that. <laughs> there is. There I'm really is. The loss, but then I'm grieving the loss of myself, and it. Oh yeah. my gosh, it's so. And that's yeah. where that article I think really helped me when it said, you know, because I'm like I can barely get up, and I, mm-hmm. I'm not depressed. I, I'm just I'm grieving, and there's a difference. Yeah. And that was also something that I was trying to kind of work through of of how yeah. long am I going to feel this intensity, and can I just keep letting this intensity in, and should I keep letting it in? That was a huge question I had when I was mm-hmm. going through everything, because it was on winter break. Mm-hmm. And my parents, I was supposed to go home for Christmas. And my parents were so, so wonderful. I was like, I don't think I can come home yet. And they're like, that's fine. You you do you and you grieve. And I grieved hard. Yeah. And I really wondered, you know, I was like, 
is this the healthiest thing? <laughs> and I'll never know, right. you know, but I mean, I, I allowed myself to really go deep. So that's also, it's just so many questions about what's the right way. And, and I was thankful that I did have that opportunity. And you did mention the different emotions that are tied to it. Like you said, it's not a linear thing. Um, could we kind of mention that there were five stages that people kind of think that it is <laughs> yes. linear? Yes, because that that model, um, the Elizabeth Kubler-Ross model of the grief stages, yeah. was I, I remember learning that in college, and that was one of the only things they taught us about grief, really. Yeah. And it's um, that it said that you go th- that people go through these defined stages, okay? and it was um, let me go through D A B D A. Denial, anger, bargaining, depression, yep, acceptance. Yep, that's it. I think that's right. Yeah, it's 1960s, you know. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's been a while since I learned this. Um, but I think what what happened it is all of these things yeah. tend to happen in grief. We we have all these feelings and, and all these emotions, and we do go through them, but they're not necessarily in that order. And don't necessarily happen one at a time. They can be overlapping, you know, and, and, and you can move back and forth between them. So it's not like you get to acceptance and you're better. It's like, okay, I accept it for, you know, yesterday morning for a couple (laughs) hours, but now I'm back. Yeah. And, and I go back and forth. And so it's not a neat and tidy model that we can follow. And actually when, when she developed that, model it was more for the per, for a person yeah. who was dying and their stages of grief about dying not our grief over the loss of somebody else necessarily yeah. um so i think it's applied a little bit incorrectly but also globalized to anything to do with grief this oh, is how yeah this is how we do it yeah i was <laughs> looking at that and i'm like well why why am i not able to figure out where i am this because it you know. yeah because it doesn't really work that way yeah, it's yeah. like when they tell us we should fit and, yeah. and know where we are in the process and boy i'll get to acceptance and it'll be better and that's not how how grief actually yeah. works at all yeah. that you know we ever get to that point we might as i said sometimes we feel like we accept it sometimes we don't feel like we accept it even years and years later you, you may not accept it and that's okay um Somebody told me once early in grief when my son died um, that people are going that if you grieve hard or if you grieve normally or what they sometimes actually call complicated grief now, and I think it's all complicated. So I don't get why some is complicated and some is not, but that people will start to believe that there's something very wrong with you. That if you don't go through the stages, and and even therapists will start to think that you're not something's wrong. You should be moving beyond this by now. Very judgmental. I can't. I can't help that. Yes, I'm hearing this. It's like, well, you know, I didn't know there was a right way. Well, exactly. Normal. No, you know. Exactly. Yeah, and there, I think that there isn't. But people want to believe that people want yeah. to see that. And even people in the field, sometimes I think they've been trained to believe that they should be able to lead you through this until you feel better and you go on with your life and everything's okay. And when you don't Check mark the boxes, right, right. And I, and I don't think we do. Um, the other thing I think that, that I keep coming around to here, and I think you've both mentioned in some form or the other is that we're different once you've had a really close relationship with an animal yeah we are 
different because of them. Oh, yeah. And we are oh, not yeah. that person anymore yeah. when they're gone. No. And that's a huge grief. And I think, Crystal, you might have mentioned that earlier when we were talking as well, yeah. that we're, in, I'm no longer, I keep saying, you know, I'm not the person I was when, with Zen. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I will never be that person again. Yeah. Because he made me different. Yeah. And together, our partnership and our working relationship and our personal relationship made me a very different person yeah. than I would have been had I spent 14 years with a different dog. Yeah. Yes. Um, and so there's always that, that, well, how can I, I can't go back to who I was before. Yeah. I can't go back to the person I was before I lost Zen because then Zen would still be here. <laughs> and, yeah. and I can't, I don't want to go back to the person I was before I had Zen because he was right. a huge part of my evolution in life and my changes in life as I went along. Yeah. So to think that somehow we'll come through this and we'll be like we were before is a fallacy. I don't think it is possible at all to be yeah. who you were before the loss, you know? And so we have to be a new person now. And we're, and then we're at a moment where the last thing we want to do is work hard at being a new person. Yeah. So yeah. they're having enough trouble just being a human being. That's don't a really make me... hard concept. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it is. That's a hard it concept. It's just, you know, the, the other the other thing that I guess my question is, is that, you know, occasionally I know for myself, something will, that I don't even realize how grief is affecting me. And but as, as an example, um, the first time I, I did a summit trial with Brava, we did not do well. And I didn't even realize until later that it was probably in part due to the fact that I was grieving Judd and I had only done that right. level with Judd and it didn't even occur to me. And I guess it's kind of like, it's one of these things where grief itself, like I didn't even realize that that was an aspect <laughs> of it. Yeah. And I, and it took me a long time to kind of figure out what had happened. Mm -hmm. And does, does that mean that I'm, I didn't process correctly? You know, I guess that's kind of, <laughs> If there was a, yeah, if there is a correct way to do it, which there is not. Yeah. So, um, but <laughs> right what I'm, I'm sort of laughing about, because as you say that it, you're going to, you're going to find this interesting. I think that it reminds me of Sigmund Freud uh -huh. <laughs> and, and I don't agree with a lot of what Freud had to say. Freud was, was off on many things we have discovered, yeah. but he was also right Somewhere about a few things. Yeah. 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 He was right about a few things and, and one of them is that we don't understand ourselves yeah and our and our motivations and our inner life any better than we understand somebody else's that we're as much of a mystery to ourselves yeah. until we do something and then we do we use that behavior to introspect and to reflect and to try uh -huh. to figure out why did I do that? <laughs> so we, the, and that sounds exactly like what happened. You did yeah. the thing or you felt yeah. this way. And yeah. now if we go in and we go, well, what, what, why, how? And so it's like watching somebody else behave. Yeah. We tend to think we, we think and then act, <laughs> but we act. And then yeah. we think a lot of the times. Yeah. So I think we, we like to believe we're in control of our behaviors and our emotions, but we know that's not true either. That sometimes we're just 
randomly doing stuff. And then we try to make sense of it. It's like, well, why did and then we feel that? bad what about do randomly that? doing stuff. And then it makes Something, <laughs> of course, we can always make there it worse. Something that really helped me in my research, always. and it was the ball in the box. I don't know. Have you guys heard of that one? Oh, yeah. Uh, that um, one, and I don't yes. know. I just I heard it from a, a teenager that was actually describing what someone had described to her. So you might have to fix it. But what made sense to me when she <laughs> said it was you start with this box, and you have this large ball in this box. And every time it touches the side of a box, it's grief. And that grief is that huge, intense, take your breath away. Like when you're going over the roller coaster and it's that moment, you just almost can't function. It's just so overwhelming. That ball is so big at first that it's just hitting mm-hmm. all the sides of that box and it's just kind of like kind of almost vibrating and it's just, you can't get out of it. And then as time goes, as grieving changes, the box itself, you can either imagine the box getting bigger or you can imagine the ball getting smaller. And so it takes longer before it hits the different sides of the box. And each time it hits, it's still that same yeah. impact, but it just takes a little longer for each time that it that it's hitting. And those visuals to me were so helpful. And I think what I what I imagined was I have a Charles ball, mm-hmm. you know, that's the smaller one, because he's been gone longer. I have the Quinn ball, who's definitely a bigger ball. And they're all, <laughs> and sometimes they bounce off of each yes. other. Yeah. You know, yeah. and so mm-hmm. sometimes when they bounce off of each other, it sends them both in different directions and they hit the walls <laughs> yeah. at the same time. <laughs> and it's like, oh, I can't breathe for a second. So when you said that, Stacey, it reminded me of that. Like that was a moment that the ball hit the side of the box and it's like, okay, yeah. I'm going to catch my breath yeah. again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I think the idea that for a lot of people, the ball stays the same. And okay. the grief always is pretty much what it is, or the, the loss is what it is. We change to accommodate it. So the box gets bigger. So we'd be the box and we'd get bigger gotcha. okay. um, in order to manage up. And I think that's one way you could think about gotcha. it. And, and that's probably pretty true is the event itself hasn't changed, but we've changed around it. And gotcha. so then it I becomes. I think I was picturing myself as the box, and I'm only yeah. so big. And so, <laughs> but yeah, you could so be, you can be bigger. Yeah, I think yeah, that's it. We can change. We can still be bigger, <laughs> and we develop different strategies for coping. You know, yeah. and, and for dealing with it as we go along, and that changes over time a lot too. We're not capable of coping, like you talk about. You know, over the holidays, yeah. <laughs> not being able to go to your to your parents, um, but. We learn yeah. to cope with that. And then it's, you know, and you can think of it as like the ball gets smaller, but I like, that I, got <laughs> I like your interpretation. <laughs> I kind of also, when I first heard of it, I, cause I'm like constantly imagining things and I was imagining if you ever played operation, like that little oh, where you try to pick. The, yeah. Yes. And it was like, and it's right when you hit the little, <laughs> like, oh, you know, so it's like mm-hmm. each time it, it's almost like my little tweezers are really big at first. And I'm trying to grab, you know, big things out of small, yeah. you know, out of the big <laughs> holes. And then, so it's, you know, so I almost felt like I was playing operation, you know, when she talked about, it. I was like, yeah, okay. All right. I'm going there. Yeah. <laughs> I think all of those, those help us to think the, and the way we think about it and the way that we yeah. can picture it. And I'm once a little you, visual, <laughs> yeah, once you get that visual, it starts to make a little more sense and it starts yeah. to feel a little more. Yeah. manageable yeah. you know that it. okay manageable. now I understand this yeah. yeah yeah it's never going like I say since it's not going to go away our best bet is to figure out how do we how do we deal with it and live with it and move on and the idea that it's always going to feel yeah. the same is wrong as well I mean it 
things change so much. We don't think they ever will. The idea that, oh, if I kind of fall into this deep grief now, I'll never get out of it. It's really scary, especially yeah. in the beginning, um, how strongly you can feel. But it changes. And that's the one thing I know about life. <laughs> that's one thing I've learned about life is everything changes okay. over time. And it does change. And if you keep living and keep moving on, you'll feel differently. And you'll and you'll find different yeah. ways to to look back at the past, you know, and you'll see it differently too. I look back now um, on things that were so overwhelmingly painful, and now I can I can see more about it. I can sort of see Your the bigger box picture. Is bigger. Your vessel is, yeah. has grown. Yeah, it has. And time yeah. gives you perspective. Gives you more you know, time for the It really the does. Um, I, yeah. <laughs> I, one of the prompts I talk about is time in the book is, is a big prompt. But, and I was talking more specifically there about short term, like day to yeah. times of day and things like that. And time. Like, like feeding time, right, is always a big, a big thing. Right. For, yeah. That's the hardest. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think coming yes, home yeah. and, you know, we have that particular time when we'd always greet all the dogs and, you know, it's not the same anymore kind of thing. But I think in the longer term, yeah. when we look at time, yeah. things are going to change. Everything is going to change. All you have to do is keep living. And if you keep yeah. living, things will be different and you will see it differently, you know, as, as time goes on. But it can take years. It can, it can literally take years sometimes. Um, that doesn't mean you have to be miserable for all those years, yeah. but it can take years. Canine Detection Collaborative! We appreciate the time you spend with us. If you liked this episode, not only should you follow us so you don't miss the next one, but please also rate and review us in your favorite podcast app. For info on collaborating with us, go to caninedetectioncollaborative.com. That's K-9-detectioncollaborative.com, where you can find our socials and pick up our latest monthly freebie. Join us again to talk training in the next episode.